This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Junkyard Dogcast, everybody. I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7. With me, Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell, also of Dogs 24-7. And, uh, guys, it has been a long time coming. It feels like two, three years. It's only been like a little over nine months, but it's game week. Uh, Georgia, Arkansas, Saturday, 4 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. local on the SEC Network. And, uh... Didn't think this day would get here. A lot of Georgia's players didn't think it would get here. They, they mentioned that today. Some of them talked about how they thought one week they'd be playing, next week they would be, wouldn't be playing. It was up and down. I can definitely identify with that. But uh, craziness, man. It's, it's, it's really cool that, that they're going to find a way to try and play this season. Hope everything goes smoothly and, and, and safely. And uh, we're going to talk uh, – we've got plenty to talk about, actually. We're going to talk about this quarterback situation. Uh, and, and I got a feeling we're not going to have a whole lot to say about it, but we're going to touch on it because we got to. That's that's our job. And uh, we want to talk defense in this episode and a little bit of recruiting. But, Rust, I'm going to throw it to you real quick. Georgia takes the field against Arkansas. That offense, who's the guy? Dewan Mathis. You know, I, I think it's uh, been there for a while and, you know, don't really have to spend a whole lot of time on it. I think it's going to be Dewan Mathis' show this weekend. and and. Uh, I think until um, all the parts or and of the of the process or whatever, lack of a better term for JT Daniel when he is completely healthy, uh, we'll probably get to see obviously what he can do. But uh, right now, I think it's Dewan Mathis. I think it's been Dewan Mathis, and I think Dewan Mathis has earned it. And let me be you know say that I think he's earned. This is not because they've got somebody injured. I think Dewan Mathis has earned the starting position at Georgia. I do think that JT Daniel is going to get a look when he uh, is healthy, but this is Dewan Mathis' show right now. He can take and run with it if he, if he performs well. He's absolutely earned it. I mean, that, it doesn't matter if, if JT Daniels is completely healthy or not. He earned it. And uh, I, I don't know, man. The, more, the longer this has gone on, the more I heard, I've heard. I think Dewan Mathis just takes the bull by the horns and, and wrestles it to the ground, and, and uh, this is his. And uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what about it. That, you know, what about, what about it I've been hearing lately. Uh, but just something just kind of gives you that gut feeling that uh, Dewan Mathis is going to take this thing and run with it. And uh, what a story. What an incredible story. Uh, everybody knows it at this point if you follow Georgia football. But I um, uh, can't wait to see it play out and, and, uh, and, and tell it over and over again because it's a good one. It's one of the best ones that, that I've had a chance to cover. Uh, it just, just making one start, just coming back from all that is really impressive. Kip? Who's your guy when they're, when Georgia starts? Who's your pick? Unless something's really going to have to change between now and Saturday for Dwan Mathis to not start for Georgia. I mean, if JT Daniels gets 
cleared Tuesday morning, and and, and Dewan Mathis just lays an egg during practice. I mean, I'm talking back-to-back-to-back picks. Barring that kind of performance over the remaining practice days, it's going to be Dewan Mathis. And, again, it's – he looked, he looked good when we saw him last spring, the last time you actually were able to, to to watch him out there perform. He looked good out there. You know, there was buzz about him, and, but all Georgia did since then was add transfers left and right. So the off-season discussion was, you know, Jamie, Jamie Newman and then JT Daniels. But, I mean, he's impressed this coaching staff. They're intrigued with his arm, with his athleticism. You know, he's got, a, he's got the skills – to, to go out there and perform at a high level, and I think we're you know we're going to find out what he brings to the table this Saturday. And that, folks, is your junkyard dogcast update on the quarterbacks. Uh, right now, you'd insert a sponsor or something if we were really, uh, if we were a, a really legit podcast, and we are. But you know, it'd be, if we had sponsors or whatever, uh, we, that that would be a segment in and of itself. But. That's your update, and and guys, let's move to defense because I wrote a column last week, and I talked about how the, the offensive success isn't just on Dewan Mathis. He's got to have help. He's got to have guys around him play well. Uh, but what a security blanket that he has in that defense because there's no doubt in my mind that Georgia can win 10-7 games, 10-3 games. They did a lot of that type of stuff last year, 19-13 games, 19-10 games, stuff like that. So, uh, you know, you look at the defense, 12.6 points per game last year, and then if you look at the non-volume um, affected stats when it comes to pass defense, rush defense, total defense, yards per carry, Georgia finished second in the nation. Yards per pass attempt, Georgia finished second in the nation. And the trend continues, yards per play, Georgia finished second in the nation. So it was one of the most efficient, dominant, stingy defenses in the country last year. And Rusty, just simple answer here, man. Can it be better? Yeah, Jake, I think the defense can be better. When you look at the guys returning, uh, key guys, you're just getting experience. I've said this for a while that don't shy away from, I think this could be Kirby Smart's best defense ever at Georgia. I think that, you know, you look at guys like Richard LeCount coming back. Uh, you got Malik Heron. You got all these guys that are experienced. And I go back to something a couple years ago that stuck in my head. And regardless of what you think about that particular game, I think Texas, Jake, you may correct me, I think Texas had eight seniors on defense that night. And that's just unheard of in this day and age. I mean, it's just not going to happen. And you see what happened to them. Uh, the drop-off Texas had, and I don't expect Georgia to have a drop-off. What I'm getting at is they had a very, very experienced defense. Georgia not only had one of the best defense in the country last year, majority of those guys are back. And some of these guys that are replacing these guys, I, listen, I love J.R. Reed. I think J.R. Reed was exactly what Georgia needed at the time. But I'm telling you right now, athletically, they're upgrading with Lewis Seen. This is a bigger, this is a faster guy they're putting on the field. And long-term, the ceiling on Lewis Seen is a lot higher than somebody like J.R. Reed, who is a great player and meant the world to Georgia. But I'm just saying, you get, you get better in spots. So Tyson, Cam, uh, Tyson Campbell, a year later, you know, it's time for him. Eric Stokes, very experienced. D.J. Daniel, very experienced. These guys, look, you got Mark Webb and Tyreek Stevenson battling for position. That tells you what type of depth you got right now. 
So, yeah, I absolutely think the defense can be better, and I think that this one, this one in particular is the right mix of speed, experience, and length. And I mean Georgia under Kirby Smart in his very first press conference. Jake, you heard it. He wanted to get bigger and faster immediately. And now you're in the, the, four, the fifth recruiting cycle for Kirby Smart. You look at that defense, and it's a lot different than it was. It's a lot different, majorly different than what it was in 20. Look at the secondary from the 2017 team that played for the national championship. You look at the secondary versus that secondary, and those were good players. These guys right here, most of these guys are going to play on Sundays. I'm not sure any of those guys that played in 2017 uh, are playing on Sunday right now. Correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, Lorenzo Carter is – I mean, he's – Secondary, secondary. Oh, secondary. You're right. No, no, none of those you know guys I mean? are. You take Dominic Sanders. You take Malcolm Parrish. Um, you know, Tyreek McGee, who's um, – we all love that. You know, that guy is really Aaron good Davis. Player. Aaron Davis. I mean, none of those guys are playing NFL. I'm telling you right now, Richard LeCount, DJ Daniel, Tyson Campbell, Eric Stokes, probably Webb because he can cover, and or Tyreek Stevenson and Lewis Seen. Those guys are going to play Sunday League. That might not – I mean, the years would be up to them, but those guys are going to be in the league, uh, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, DeAndre Baker, if not for the off-field stuff, would be playing. He'd be the only guy, yeah. you know, obviously yeah. being a first-round yeah. pick. But, yep. yeah, just one guy. And what's funny about it, what, what kind of cracks you up if you think about it, is they haven't gotten a ton bigger on the defensive line. I mean, I think they've gotten more athletic when you add Trayvon Walker and, and Malik Caring, who did play in that 2017 season. But uh, when, when you start talking about getting bigger as a defense, a lot of times you think about, you know, the, the, the line of scrimmage or the, the edges maybe. No, they, they just got bigger in the secondary. They've got guys that, you know, could you know you, you get the impression that if they really wanted to eat their way into a linebacker role, probably could because a lot of them are just so big. You know, you got Derek, Eric Stokes and DJ Daniel who are and, and Richard LeCount who are, you know, not necessarily on the on the bigger side, but but they're tall and they're long. But you got guys like Tyson Campbell and, and like you said, Mark Webb, Tyreek Stevenson. Tyreek Stevenson sometimes looks like a linebacker out there. I mean, he's just so compact and, and fast. And, um, you know, they, they didn't necessarily get bigger at linebacker either. I mean, you got guys like N'Kobe Dean and, and Monty Rice who aren't really big guys out there, but they're fast. And they, they've definitely got a formula. They've definitely got a way they want to want to attack this thing. And, um, you know, they've, they've got a little bit of size here, a little bit of speed there. You, you just unit by unit. You know, you, you look at that – take outside linebacker, for example. you got guys like Jermaine Johnson and Aziz Ojolari who are big physical linebacker types. But you also got Nolan Smith, who's also physical, but not necessarily on the big side, probably 240, 245 pounds. Adam Anderson, 6'5", 6'4", 225 pounds. He has his role to play. It, 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 is, it is amazing to me, and, and it, it never ceases to amaze because I look at this defense all the time, Kip, and I see role player after role player after role player. And, yeah, there are guys in the secondary who are every-down guys. And there's guys like Monty Rice, who's an every-down guy. But everybody else, maybe your three technique, like, you know, uh, uh, Devontae Wyatt, maybe Julian Rochester, Tyler Clark last year, maybe those guys aren't role players. But Jordan Davis, uh, Nolan Smith, Adam Anderson, Jermaine Johnson, all the rest of the inside, inside linebackers. There's so many role players on this defense, and it's almost like they're like, okay, if they want to do this, then we've got this guy to counter. And there, there's just so many different moving pieces to this thing, and everybody gets kind of a piece of the pie. And, and I think that really helps keep up morale. Um, Kip, when you look at this defense, what can it do 
to get better. Rusty thinks it can get better. What can it do to get better? I spent the last couple minutes listening to you guys rattle off name after name after name. I was waiting to see who who got left out. You know, the formulate which direction I was going to go with with my response in this defense. It's uh, it's very intriguing because the nickname for this defense last year was what the no name defense. Well, all, all the no names are back, and so now you know all these guys that were part of this no name defense last year have an opportunity to be on all-conference, all-American lists at, at the end of the season. I mean, Richard LeCount, obviously, he just seems primed for, for a huge senior season. Kirby Smart's been looking for that, you know, that leadership on the team. I think it's pretty clear that Richard LeCount has kind of taken hold of that role on the defense and, and just seems ready to really have a, a huge season for Georgia. But, you know, if I'm looking for – the upside, the the potential for this defense to, to get even better. You know, one guy that kind of stands out, and Rusty kind of mentioned him, is is N'Kobe Dean. I mean, we talked about replacing guys in the secondary, potentially improving at safety with Lucene. Uh, N'Kobe Dean's going to be stepping into the starting lineup for a guy and Tay Crowder, a former running back who managed to get his, you know, earn his way onto an NFL roster, which is very impressive to just what he's been able to do. But, I mean, Nicobe Dean, the upside there is huge. He's playing next to a guy, you know, they're going to be rotating in, but he's going to be playing next to a guy in Monty Rice who's probably a little underrated in what he's able to do. But just, the you know, the tandem there at inside linebacker has a chance to really be special. And it's kind of a an aspect of Georgia's defense they haven't really utilized as far as just having someone who can, who can make an impact at that position since, you know, since Roquan Smith obviously had a season of all seasons inside linebacker, when Nagobi Dean has that kind of potential, maybe not to be a Roquan, but definitely to be a difference maker in that defense. And the other guy that hasn't been mentioned, the, the only one I could think of really left on, on double-digit names you guys rattled off is, is, is Jalen Carter. You know, a guy that even the youth there – him being a first-year player, his potential is just off the charts. I mean, we we mentioned the comparisons to, you know, guys like Derek Brown, just guys that can be completely disruptive no matter whether you line them up on the defensive line. You know, a guy like that and then, a, you know, Trevon Walker. Having guys with that kind of athleticism on Georgia's defensive line, I think it's pretty clear that is an aspect of Georgia's defense in the last couple of years that, hasn't really stood out and that's just athleticism you know in in that front three and those two guys I mean it doesn't get much more just explosive and, and athletic than, than Trevon Walker and Jalen Carter so I think that's kind of an aspect the ability to make an impact up front without having to sing guys really could give Georgia an opportunity to give opponents a lot of a lot of trouble and I don't know if Aziz Ojolari is going to have double-digit sacks or where he's going to be in the tackles for loss simply because of potentially that rotation, the depth they have of that position. I think if you got your front three potentially having to command double teams between guys like Jordan Davis, Trevon Walker, and Jalen Carter, that really sets up to whoever that linebacker that they choose to, to attack the quarterback, it really sets up well for him to have a – you know, be highly productive and, and really, really make a difference in the backfield. 
You know, Kip, you, you brought up Jalen Carter, and if you've been able to read any of our uh, insider notes, practice updates uh, this preseason, you've noticed that Jalen Carter is mentioned prominently in just about every one of those. Uh, you know, I had a source tell me like last week that it's almost on a daily occurrence in practice that he busts through, makes a tackle behind the line of scrimmage, gets in the quarterback's face, you know, really quickly after he gets the snap. He is he's a he's a force. And to me, and we're gonna get into some bold predictions in the second half of the show about uh, about Georgia's defense, but to me, one thing that, that that I can't really shake is the fact that, okay, Jalen Carter's in there. He's been getting some first-team reps, and he's gotten more and more the closer we've gotten to game one, okay? So, to me, a freshman going out there and making those plays, I think Jalen Carter's perfectly capable of doing that. But what I expect more than anything is for a guy like Devontae Wyatt or a guy like Julian Rochester to be so motivated by this freshman that's coming in to take snaps, I think one of those guys ends up going off. I really do. I think one of those guys ends up having a Tyler Clark-esque year like last year. I mean, Tyler Clark led Georgia in tackles for a loss last year. And that's why lining up between the guard and the tackle on almost every play, outside shoulder of the tackle at the three – I mean, guard at the three technique and, and, and spending a lot of time in the backfield. And, and listen, Clark, fantastic college football player, kind of in that same mold as J.R. Reed, Rusty, where – didn't necessarily wow NFL scouts enough to get drafted. Sure. So, uh, but now you've got a guy like Jalen Carter, who I don't think any of us would be shocked if he's a top five, top ten pick in three years. I've said uh, it. No, I mean, I, I, mean, I would almost predict it. It'll be the first kid drafted at this last recruiting class for Georgia. And yeah, he, I think I think that's very possible. If he does not get hurt, and I'll, I'll go out uh, before they play Arkansas, before they play Arkansas. And um, just off everything I know and what I've heard and what I know about him and what I've seen him I, right now, if you if I had to rank inside from end to end and not not having those guys that stand up, it would go Jordan Davis one, Trayvon Walker two, and Jalen Carter three for me right now. I mean, yeah, those three guys are they they have something different about them. And they're different athletically. That does not mean that Georgia doesn't have some really good defensive linemen right now because they do. And I like what you said about that. Uh, you know how it is when you think you think you got some time locked up, and all of a sudden this young buck steps in the room, and it, it challenges everybody. Like I won't lose my time to this kid if I don't step it up. So I, I, I like that thought, Jake. But I'll tell you this: that, that Jalen Carter, he, he is a guy, and I'm telling you right now, uh, game four, five, six, seven, or eight, somebody's probably going to lose a lot of time to somebody like that, in my opinion. No doubt about it. There's no – he's going to play a ton. And he's been the number one guy that, that, that can make an impact. And, and it kind of blows you away a little bit because when you look at, uh, when you look at Tate Rattledge and Broderick Jones, well, well, Georgia had a wide open, you know, position at right tackle. And those guys just weren't quite ready to, to take it from a guy who had been around for three years or his guy that's around in his third year, Owen Condon. But you look at the defensive line, there was nothing wide open and available there. Maybe it's a spot in the rotation. That may be what Jalen Carter ultimately lunges into here. But, you know, you've got Julian Rochester and, and, and uh, 
and Devontae Wyatt, who have played a ton of football at that three technique position. And, 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 you know, you got Jordan Davis, man in the nose tackle position. Maybe, maybe Carter can kind of fill in there behind him a little bit. Maybe Wyatt does. And, and, uh, and it allows, you know, Carter to get on the field a little bit more as a three tech. Maybe Rochester does. Uh, and then you got those two defensive ends. You didn't even mention Malik Herring just then, who I know you're real high on, and, and everybody should be. He's a fantastic 3-4 defensive end, uh, or defensive end in an odd front. Georgia's really not in 3-4 that much. But he uh, – Georgia just – they've got a lot of talent up front. They've got a lot of talent at the outside linebacker. And that brings me to what I think Georgia can do to get better on defense. And a lot of people are going to point to sacks and tackles for a loss havoc. Yeah, that would help, no doubt in my mind. You, you put defense behind the chains, put put, uh, put offenses behind the chains, and that definitely helps. Turnovers. Because Georgia, with, that, with the benefit of 16 turnovers last year, guys, that's pretty bad as far as just numbers and, and obviously not calling Georgia's defense bad last year. Pretty bad comparatively to the rest of the country. Georgia allows 12.6 points per game while ranking, I think it's somewhere right around 100 in, in nationally in, in turnovers. I mean, that's earning your keep, guys. That's, that's out there. I mean, that, that's working long hours to, to make it happen. And, uh, you know, you look at some of the opportunities they had. J.R. Reed had a chance to pick a ball against Florida, dropped it. Uh, you know, Eric Stokes had a chance to pick a ball off against Auburn. Georgia beats Auburn 21 nothing. I'm convinced of it in, in, on the Plains. If if uh, Eric Stokes catches that ends uh, catches that interception, the end zone that Bo Nix threw right to him, and I think that getting better on defense this year, Kip, is dependent upon Georgia creating more turnovers. Because here's here's my reasoning behind that. I think Georgia's defense can be better, can be even more dominant, and give up more points because I think Georgia's offense is going to be a little bit more volatile when it comes to giving the ball away. But I think if Georgia creates the turnovers, they get it up there around 20, 25, somewhere in there like that 2017 defense was able to do. That's how I think Georgia's defense gets a lot better. What role do you think turnovers plays in Georgia's defensive improvement? I think it's it's highly imperative that they force more turnovers because, as you said, Georgia's offense, not just more volatile, I think it's going to be more explosive at the same time. And, I mean, basically what I'm saying is I think time of possession this year for Georgia is going to be a stark difference than what they've had under Kirby Smart. And, I mean, it cuts both ways with that. I think, again, if if they're turning the ball over or if they're getting in the end zone quicker, the, the defense is going to end up being on the field longer. And that is an aspect of Kirby Smart's defense that I think will be put to the test a little bit as far as conditioning, as far as that depth. And we've, we've talked about guys like Jordan Davis who they need as many snaps as they can get at a guy like that. But being able to force turnovers and, and get that unit off the field as quickly as possible will do wonders for them long-term this season. And, you know, they're going to be tested in a couple games, obviously. You know, looking on the schedule, playing in Tuscaloosa, playing in Jacksonville, obviously those are games that are going to stand out when you start looking at that schedule. But – I think it's very important for for Georgia to force as many turnovers as possible just to give these guys a breather because we don't know what the offense is going to look like. It it could be, again, highly successful. Georgia could be putting up 36, 38 points a game, but I don't think it's going to do that with just that same monotonous, slow-burning uh, offensive, you know, the drives of, of years past where it was 8, 9, 10, 10 play drives and taking off four and five, six minutes off the clock. 
I, I just don't see that with this team. I think the guys that they have are going to be guys that break off big chunks of yardage and stretch the ball downfield. And with James Cook and Zemir White as well, I think those are big play running backs. They're going to be more – they're more guys that are conducive to having 20, 30-yard, you know, touchdown runs. So I just think that's just a, an underlying factor that the, the hidden time there that they're going to lose from having that kind of offense – might uh, put a little bit more strain on the defense. And, again, the stats might not show just how dominant this defense is just because of how long they're on the field. It's huge, man, the, those turnovers. I mean, it, it, I, I just marvel at the fact that, you know, they, they, they had 12.6 points per game, and they averaged, I mean, just a little over a turnover a game. And uh, you look back at that 2017 team, and, and I don't have the numbers right here in front of me, but you know, I can pull them up real quick. That 2017 defense, I mean, they caused turnovers at an alarming rate. It, it was some of the some of the best in the country that year, and, and it it came down, I think, a lot of it to experience because you had Dominic Sanders back there picking balls off. You had Lorenzo Carter and Davin Bellamy forcing fumbles. Um, you had Roquan Smith, obviously, that that was not necessarily a turnover creating machine, but he was kind of like your your Richard LeCount in a way that that he was able to kind of come up with with a lot of those fumbles. He was always around the football. And uh, ultimately, that, that to me is the key. And, and I think Georgia can get by again without sacks and tackles for a loss at a high rate. But I don't think they can get by again and, and improve defensively uh, with, without, you know, creating more turnovers because that is, that's an equalizer. I mean, you look, at, you look at every team year in and year out, and it's the ones that create the most turnovers that seem to be – uh, I don't know. They just they seem to have just like a little bit more of an edge. They seem to have a little bit more. And Georgia ranked 84th in the country, by the way, this past year. 84th in 2017. Uh, I want to say Georgia was. Uh, I mean, they were up there. It was uh, actually. You know what? I think it may have been the year before in 2016, but still, that they were still top, they were still 50th in in 20 uh, in 2017. But they create creating the turnovers is a big deal. And, and to me, if you're going to turn it over more, then you've got to be able to force some yourself to kind of – it's almost like walks to strikeouts as a pitcher. And uh, to, that, that is the key. On the other side of the break, we're going to jump into one real quick. On the other side of the break, guys, let's talk about one bold prediction each for this defense in 2020. And I'm really interested to see what you guys have to say because I've had one in mind here for a couple of weeks, and I think this is the first place to, to let it out. But before we do, real quick, I want to remind everybody, if right now – Dogs247.com, 60% off an annual subscription. All right, that's 7.2 months for free, 60% off of an annual subscription to Dogs247. VIP pass for an entire year. You get this whole football season, all of next preseason camp, all of the recruiting stuff at National Signing Day. Maybe things get back to normal and you get all those visits in the spring, get a really good look at the 2022 class. I mean, you won't find two better UGA guys when it comes to recruiting than Kip and Rusty, and uh, and they have it covered for you. I know that's what everybody loves is the recruiting, and these guys have it covered. So come on over and give us a shot. 60% off an annual subscription to Dogs 24-7, and uh, we'll catch you on the other side of the break, and we'll talk about some bold predictions. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. 
With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. All right, Rusty, putting you on the spot. Mm. I didn't want to give you too much time to think about it. Yeah. I not want to give you too much time to think about it. Bold prediction for Georgia's 2020 defense. It can be a breakout player. It can be a breakout stat, whatever you want. Wow. I, I, obviously, I'm on record saying it's going to be the best Kirby Smart could potentially ever have at Georgia because of what I think is the experience factor. Um, the, the link speed, all the stuff I talked about earlier, man, Jake, I don't know. I, I just think it's going to be better. My bold prediction is, and, and last year that defense was elite, but, uh, you know, I do think that, 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 you know, they can't win every game just defensively. They got to have help. And, you know, you see LSU last year, those games, you see that dome game last year, Jake, you were there. Georgia played about as good as they could on defense in that first half and and held them to what was a 17 to 3 and it felt like it was 50 to 3 and you know just too many weapons for LSU the second half and some turnovers and then Georgia was depleted wide receiver wise would go on and on but my bold prediction uh, would be this is going to be a better better defense all around I think this is going to be a defense that Georgia fans are going to talk about for a long long time yeah, I, I think it's going to be better, too. I think it might be in the eye of the beholder, though. And and what I mean by that is is passing the eyeball test because I do think that that you're probably looking at a little bit of an increase in points per game. Nothing major. It's not going to shock me if George gives up 14 points a game or 13.5 points a game as opposed to 12.6 because, as we covered on, in the first half, the the offense being more explosive and also maybe turning it over a little bit more, which is not a given. It is not. But when you got a when you got a first year starter at quarterback and and a lot of new pieces and and all this time that they've missed, you're gonna have a guy run a wrong route or you're gonna have a guy not block a guy and get his hands down, passes getting tipped up in the air. And um, you know, very few people protected the football as well as Brian Harrion did and, and DeAndre Swift at times. He seemed to fumble in bunches, but uh, you know, Georgia didn't really turn it over a whole lot last year, and when they did, they lost. Uh, so I, I think that that when you look at that, I think that the defense may be in some more compromising situations than it has been in the past. But I think the offense is probably, especially as the year goes on, is going to be more explosive and 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 maybe cut down, like Kip said, on that time of possession. Kip, what's your bold prediction for the defense? I predict that Georgia is going to allow 30 points to Alabama but in two games I think this this defense is set up perfectly to really stymie Nick Saban and 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 what they're bringing to the table offensively uh, I'm not really sold on on 
Mac Jones at quarterback. And I know we all know that obviously uh, the backup quarterback is the one that Georgia fans are always going to keep an eye on. And I think Bryce Young is extremely talented. But I, I think that they, they just this, – this set of playmakers, the, the, the wide receivers that they have on this roster right now, you know, obviously sending a couple to the NFL in the first round, they still have a couple, which is just incredible to think that they basically lined up with four first-round wideouts last year. But I, I think when you look at Jalen Waddle, you look at Devonta Smith, Georgia's secondary is set up really well to be able to, you know, at best, I mean, stymie them and, and, and give them, make them earn every yard they get. And I, I just, you look at this defense, I think that they're going to really, really cause a lot of trouble uh, for for Alabama's offensive line and, and really confuse their quarterback. I think there's going to be a lot of turnovers in that game, a lot of havoc plays. And I think, again, I think, They'll meet again in Atlanta, and I see a similar outcome in the second game as well. So my bold prediction uh, is that I don't know what's going to happen in Jacksonville, but I, I think that this is the year that that Kirby Smart's defense helps him limit his former uh, employer to 30 points in two football games this year. I'll tell you what, man, that uh, that definitely qualifies as bold because – when you said 30 points, I was kind of like, where is he going with this? And then you layer it, and I'm like, whoa, whoa. Yeah, that, I mean, yep. uh, we'll see. You know, I could, I could definitely see more – I could definitely see more of a 20-point than 10-point type thing or maybe a 10-point than 20-point type thing. Uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see if that one comes to pass because if it does, I think Georgia's got a good chance of maybe winning both of those. Um, and, and, you know, we'll see how it goes. Um, so, here recently – I got to thinking, I was like, all right, looking at inside linebacker, who's going to – Monty Rice is super solid. Monty Rice is a fine inside linebacker, okay? If if Georgia would have had Monty Rice and Reggie Carter played his guts out and, and did some really good things for Georgia, but if Georgia would have had 2018 – I'm sorry, 2019 Monty Rice next to Roquan Smith in 2017, I think that Georgia defense is just outrageous. So I think the world of Monty Rice, but – when it came to the playmaking aspect of the linebacker position, tackles for a loss, interceptions, fumble recoveries, that, Tay Crowder was Georgia's playmaker at linebacker. And, and he, I still think we're all Tay Crowder fans and stands and everything else, okay? Um, I think he's just scratching the surface of how good he can be, um, and I think he's probably going to play in the NFL for a little while. But I do think N'Kobe Dean is an upgrade in talent there. And my bold prediction is I think N'Kobe Dean leads Georgia in tackles this year. Monty Rice is a tackling machine. He would have led Georgia in 2018 had he stayed healthy. He, he, he did lead Georgia significantly last year with, I believe, 89 total stops. I just think N'Kobe Dean is that guy. I, I, I think the world of him, he's not big, but he's instinctive. He's smart. Uh, uh, Monty Rice called him a special player today when he when he talked to him. He said you know, he was, Monty Rice was talking about his knowledge of the defense, his own, and then he's just like, but Nakobe's on another level. I mean, he's an engineer and stuff. You know, he, he's just so smart. And I just think the 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 athleticism combined with the intelligence combined with the stuff you can't teach, which is the instincts. I think I think Nakobe Dean is Georgia's leading tackler, and and I think some of that is going to come from the fact. He's going to be on the field on every single third down 
this year, or, or at least probably 90% of them. Channing Tindall may give him a blow every now and then because Tindall's such, such a strong blitzer, and he's also a really good athlete. But I think Nicobe Dean, at the top of the charts this year, provided he stays healthy, is going to be the team's leading tackler. Rusty, let's close this thing up with some recruiting like we most all the time do. Uh, you saw a quarterback here recently. Talk about him for us. Saw Dylan Lonergan play Friday night, Walton versus Brookwood. Uh, in, in we've all done this types of games. Man, I'm sitting there, and uh, you look, Marquise Killebrew committed to Georgia. Andre Stewart, the other corner, committed to Auburn. Uh, safety committed to Kansas in the secondary. Then you look at Walton with, um, you know, Marcus Allen, the junior corner. Uh, Georgia's offered. Everybody's offered. The quarterback's good, but. Dylan Lonergan, the 2023 quarterback for Brookwood, reminded me a ton of uh, Gunnar Stockton just seeing him. That's the second time I've seen him, but he's a little taller, about, about an inch and a half taller uh, than Gunnar. He's also a major, major baseball prospect. His dad played football at Penn State uh, in the early 80s. Probably didn't, wouldn't go over well with Buck Blue, but uh, he had a tremendous game and led his team back. Hey, they were down – Guys, they were down 32 to, I think, 23 with eight minutes to go. They won 43 to 32. They came unglued making plays, and one of them was a huge run by Dylan, 61 yards. He impressed me with his feet. I didn't really know he had that in his game. That's why I'm giving the the comparison of Gunner, and and it showed. I mean, he had a great game, and sure enough, man – Georgia offered him Saturday morning. And I know they'd been in touch because I talked to their staff before the game. And I said, you know, you guys hearing from schools, and they go, man, Georgia's, you know, Buster Faulkner and Coach Monk and uh, call every week and check on him. And sure enough, he played really, really good. i tell you what was crazy. Walton had a kicker. Uh, I think his name is uh, Chris Cummings. It's a senior kicker. He boots one for 53. And I'm talking about this thing was good, 58. They come right back, and my man executes one of those pooch kicks. Usually you see those teams kick it to the angle. He kicked it right in the middle of the field, and I'm telling you, this thing checked up and landed right in the hands of a Walton kicker. And, uh, you know, it's funny. I'm just kind of looking around and, and, and just seeing, you know, that game, that many players. But that's a guy that I could see that, you know, Probably Scott Cochran be recruiting at some point because he has a monster leg. I was very, very impressed with him um, at Walton. So a lot of players, but Dylan was impressive, and Georgia obviously thought so. He offered him, I don't know, one more quarterback note, Ja'Curi Brown from Lounge played really, really good uh, against Wakola, Florida, and this week had a couple of big throws, watched his tape. So, man, there's a ton of talent in the state of Georgia quarterback, a absolute ton of talent uh, in the state of Georgia. Kip, anything new with you on the recruiting front? I would uh, check out Dogs 24-7. Sometime Tuesday should have an update on a a five-star that uh, dog fans, dogs coaching staff, highly coveted. We're going to have – we have an update from from him, a guy that we've talked about on the show many, many times before, and uh, I think his – Recruitment is is coming down to the wire and should be on a commitment list in the next month. Big time teaser. That's the learned it from learned that one from Rusty. I think Rusty's the 
the tease master and, and Kip's throwing oh, one out here on the podcast. Yeah. So I'm about to up him up on that. that yeah, that's cool. right. That's right. You, I, I don't think you got anything though. Not yet. You have to nope. we'll tr- try to catch him later this week. Whenever we, uh, whenever we preview Georgia, Arkansas. And, uh, I, I do want to mention this before we, before we get it going. Uh, man, listening to Kirby smart, Georgia's players talk about Sam Pittman today. Um, they all but said, hey, Saturday's the game, and we want to win that one, but they're rooting for Arkansas to go 9-1 and one and to see him again in the SEC championship. I even asked Trey Hill straight up if he was a Sam Pittman Arkansas fan uh, after this game, and he said, you could say that. I mean, you want to talk about a guy who left his mark on so many people and uh, Kirby Smart being one of them, I mean, just all glowing words. And, and then you look at his press conference and the way he talked about Dwan Mathis and what he fought through and how they're pulling for him. And, I mean, man, that's what makes this game special. That's what makes this, this, uh, this sport special. And, and I know there's a lot of turmoil of paying players and the social injustice and inequality things. And, and listen, we are, we're in it. I mean, we are, we are all about equality and, and we're all about – the players getting what they deserve and, and having a voice and having a platform. But, but there are some, still some really, really beautiful things about this sport. And that was one of them. Listening to Sam Pittman talk about Dewan Mathis, listening to Georgia's players talk about Sam Pittman, especially Jermaine Johnson, who, who yeah. talked about how Coach Pittman would, would pull him off to the side and tell him how much he believed in him and how much he thought he could be a really good player in this league and, and to keep working and keep fighting. That's just – I mean – Jake, that, let me that's ask what you it's this. all about. Let me ask you this, Jake. Somebody told me this last week, and it kind of stuck in my head. Somebody compared – we were talking about Arkansas, and this person's kind of in football and said, look, they got to change the roster because I'm going to tell you why Arkansas is going to win because those kids are going to lay it on the line for Sam Pittman. He said, that guy is going to be their version of Irk Russell. He goes, those kids will run through a brick wall for Sam Pittman. And I thought that was like – I really didn't think about that. But that was a great compliment and a great comment, I thought. I mean, yeah, they got to get some players. But just like you talked about, those kids at Georgia missing him, that guy, there's a reason why he was probably one of the top two or three recruiters in the country regardless of position. And uh, I really think in a couple of years they're going to turn that thing around. Yeah, and, and it's, it's so apropos that you bring up Eric Russell because – probably right behind Eric Russell in the history of Georgia assistant coaches. And, and for a lot of people, Mike Bobo's up there. Uh, for a lot of people, uh, you know, you look at a lot of different I – mean, Brian Van Gorder and, and what he was able to do at Georgia. I know he kind of fizzled out when he left Georgia, but he was beloved whenever he left. Um, you know, there have been some really good ones, but it probably goes Eric Russell on a close second, Sam Pittman, in terms of the way Georgia fans are going to view him from now till the end of time because – and he had good timing because he rolled in there when Georgia was struggling to recruit offensive linemen at a high level and then he recruited him at a level that was just unheard of. And uh, all those out-of-state five-star prospects, Isaiah Wilson, Cade Mays, uh, Clay Webb, uh, just just did a phenomenal job, has stacked Georgia's offensive line room. And, and he, Georgia should not even be considered as a team that will be good on the offensive line this year from what they lost. But they are because of what Sam Pittman put in that room. And, uh, and, and not only that, but, you know, the, the discussion about him and his wife not having their own kids and treating their offensive linemen like they were kids. You hear the story about whenever he left Arkansas, how his players begged him not to go. 
that he had a good opportunity to go to Georgia. And now he's a head coach, and he's back at Arkansas. So um, I, th- I think everybody that knows him's pulling for him. I know Georgia's players are, especially once uh, once that clock hits four zeros on Saturday. Uh, but it's game week, everybody, and we're going to have you covered. We're going to be back later on this week to make some predictions for Saturday's game and to talk and to break down that matchup. But for this episode of the Junkyard Dogcast, we're done. I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7. They're Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell from the same place. You guys take it easy. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.